think in 10 years time, I want to be... Yeah, the main ways that I stay motivated is, um, yeah, having my goals, uh, making sure that I want to be number one. I think I, I've learned that the hard way, really, because I think yeah. <laughs> cruising doesn't really, yeah. doesn't get you there. Yeah, you need to know, you need to put like a like a flag flagstone for everything, everything yeah. you do, everything you want to achieve. And I never, never used to get nervous for games either until the World Cup. But then from the first game of the World Cup, yeah. every single game after that, I was nervous, nervous, nervous. Like a lot of the men who come into the women's game, they have to adapt to trying to understand the women's game, understand women, understand how they think, how they play. But for a woman to be there, uh, to be coaching, they don't have to do that. So they mm. can get straight to the playing side of it or the personal side, they, 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 don't, they don't have to adapt, they already know. Are you ever worried about potential like life-changing injuries in rugby? There's a lot you can get, head, leg, arms, whatever. I think it's always in the back of my mind. I think it's in the back of every rugby player's mind, to be honest, because you see it in your team, um, you see it like on the news and stuff like that. But I think that's just what comes with any sport, really. Mm. And you can get injured in any sport. You can get injured not playing sport. So I think, yeah, we're, we're in an age, we're in an era where social media is at the like, pinnacle, like it's in the middle of everything we do. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the main, the main thing about getting rid of all those stigmas is um, yeah, having, that, having that visible for everyone and showing that rugby is a sport for everyone because it, like, it literally is. Like, if you're going to put any sport down on paper where you can literally have anyone of any size, any colour, any sexuality, yeah. like rugby is that. Yeah. But it's just having it, having it visible. Okay, so, Sadia, thank you very much for coming, of course. coming today. So, this is, you're actually the first one, believe it or not. Sorry, I'm just checking that you did definitely press record. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're, the, you're the first one of this podcast series, hoping to publish them all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thanks for doing this. I know your poor, your poor agent, Billy, I've been giving him, <laughs> I've been, I know I've been on him for ages, uh, but, yeah, hope glad we got it sorted out yeah. um so yeah uh it's called in 10 years time up and coming athletes mm -hmm. how they got into the sport what they want to achieve um background etc etc mm -hmm. i want to start at the beginning um born in lewisham jamaican english mum congolese dad yes. um, any siblings yeah two siblings uh older brother who was 24 and a younger brother who was 16 what was that like growing up and are you the youngest you uh, just, middle child middle child yeah so what's that like growing up in the middle, in middle child, one oldest, one youngest, because I know I've got three brothers, and you know there's different dynamics obviously yeah. in their family. So yeah, like what was that like um, as a middle child? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I remember always trying to fight with my older brother, always yeah. trying to compete with him. Uh, he was a gymnast. I wanted to be a gymnast. I wanted to be just as good as him. And then with my younger brother, obviously, younger siblings are always the favourite. Just, just putting that out <laughs> yes, there. Yes, I agree so, with that. <laughs> so having that kind of different dynamic with him. Um, but yeah, as I got older, my older brother's become like one of my best friends. Um, and then, yeah, my younger brother, slowly, he's growing out of that <laughs> Yeah. favourite child phase. So. Yeah. 
So are, are they, um, what, what do they do? Are they like, into, are they doing anything sport related or are they? Yeah, so my brother um, is a cheerleader. So he's gone to Canada to pursue cheer. Um, he competed for Team England. He did gymnastics for ages and then swapped over, which is very easy because you're just tumbling and then like, you just go yeah. tumble and cheer. Yeah. Um, so he's doing that now and coaches cheer, um, competes in cheer. And my younger brother, he went through a bit of a gamer phase. He was like a Minecraft boy, loved oh. all of that. But now he's really into basketball and like, well, American football. He likes to do the flag version. He hates any contact, which oh, okay. is very different to me. But yeah. there's definitely yeah, a lot of sport in the family. So you grew up in South South London, uh, went to Harris City Academy. What was that like um, growing up in South London? Because... Obviously, like some people might think, oh, is that like a is that like a rough spot? Is that you know? Because I know some parts of South, South, South London are actually quite, not not too bad. Yeah. So, like, what was that like growing up? Yeah, I loved growing up in South London. Like, yeah. I love Crystal Palace. Um, I love all of South London. Um, for me, it's all I've known. So the the vibe, the culture, um, it's like shaped who I am. And like going to school there, um, from from primary school all the way to sixth form and then obviously moving out for uni. But um, I love London. I think it's always bustling. It's always loud. And I'm very much a fan of that. So, yeah, no, I really enjoyed growing up in London. And do you think there's, like, anything about that part of London in particular? Because, you know, a lot of, uh, not just sports stars, but just a lot of uh, celebrities came from, that, like, Stormzy, South London. Yeah. Dave, South London. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, do you think there's something about South London that makes people who they are or like yeah I, I think I think in South London you've got to really um I don't know you've got to be yourself like okay. you have to be yourself otherwise you're not going to thrive and I think being in South London it it produces people who really know who they are know who they want what they want to do but it also encourages them as well because I feel like we do have quite a good community there and especially when you're growing up you have like all these groups of friends and like you all the schools, everyone knows each other everywhere. So, you know, like people who go to school in um, South Norwood or Peckham. So like there's a huge like community there as well. So I think it, it yeah, it's quite a high, kind of a high pressure. You've got to, got to like have a bit of stick about you. Mm. But I think it produces, yeah, like some diamonds because of, because of that. And do you feel like you've got to be like, because I know um, I'm aware there's some like, uh, like, gangs like around that that place so do you think it, it like toughens you up like at a young young age obviously you might have had that experience or mm -hmm. whatever but do you know what I mean like because I know obviously Raheem Sterling he had quite a tough yeah uh, upbringing um and in that part as well so do you think it's like a place where diamonds in the rougher are made yeah 100% yeah, and I think I think growing up in South London you're pretty used used to it like you yeah. become quite desensitized desensitized to it um especially in secondary school like gang culture is so prominent and like all the boys probably think they're in gangs or are in gangs and some of them are like in school doing a maths lesson on the weekend they're doing things that you don't even want to talk about and it becomes very very normal so i think yeah it does definitely create diamonds in the rough and but I think it's very, very character building. And, and obviously you can even go one way or the other way. Um, I'm grateful to have seen it and grown up around it and to be able to get away from it. But I think, um, yeah, definitely you can go either either way. Yeah. Um, so before rugby, uh, when I was doing some research on you, did you set county, did you set county records at uh, shot put? Yes. At, at Hammer as well? Or? Uh, just shot put. Just shot put. Yeah. Um, but then I remember I saw you somewhere say that I was too boring. Yeah. For you. That's <laughs> That's why you stop. So, so with me, like, I need to. If I'm, 
if I'm not bored, then I'm happy. Like mm -hmm. if I'm, I need, like, I need to be doing something yeah. um, to keep myself happy. So is that like the same with you? Because obviously rugby is a lot more proactive than yeah. soccer. No, yeah, 100%. Yeah, doing, I did athletics for a while, probably for like three, four years. And I just was bored of doing an individual sport. I think you're alone so much of the time, like everything's on you. Um, and yeah, if I'm not enjoying it, I just have to get up and leave. Like I just got bored. And so yeah, coming to rugby where it's a team sport, like there's always something to do or someone to speak to. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I can I can see myself staying in a while purely because I enjoy it so much. Yeah. So you fell into rugby by someone accidentally, well, you accidentally fell in it. You kind of got asked to come out. Of, was it, you were in a class? Yes, you yes. So you came, what, what class was that? A science lesson. Oh, were you grateful for that? <laughs> yes, yes, I was very grateful okay. for that. Um, so you came out of a science lesson to get asked to fill in. Um, but then I also saw you say, once you started playing school rugby regularly, that was like, when you that was like what, when you're you're most nervous yeah um playing then because you're still relatively new in that and like when I was playing um rugby and whenever I when I was just younger generally like around that time I was a lot more nervous a lot less confident um in myself than now mm. um mainly because no, I just don't really care as much mm. is that the same with you like the more you got all these less you cared uh yeah I definitely think so the more I got older the less I cared but I also think in secondary school I was, especially when I was younger, I think I was more carefree. I think it's when you get into like the like later teenage years. Cause I know when I first started rugby and they would just said, yeah, come play this game, throw this, throw this ball about, run forward, hit hard. I was like, yeah, all right, like I'll do that. And I think if I maybe found it in later years, I would have been a bit more shy and a bit more shy away from it. Um, mm. Cause I found it when I was 13. But I think if, if that was two or even three years later, I might have been like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what people are going to think of me. I don't know how it's going to come across. But, um, yeah, I think I, that was a good age for me to find find it because I think when you're younger, you kind of just let things fly a bit. Yeah, and did you have like did you have a lot of friends doing it as well? Or yeah, okay, yeah. So we had a lot of like basically the whole team eventually was made up of like all my friends and like girls who who I'd spend time with outside of school who I was so similar to. So yeah, it was it was a great great experience to have that my first team being all my friends basically. When you got asked to fill in, was it? Bryony that asked you or was it Bryony Cleo who's a former uh, England player but did yeah. she ask you because she's your PE teacher as well uh, no it wasn't Bry. so Bry came to my school I think in year nine um, but uh, the teachers that was there before it was just a random fixture so Bry was one who set up the rugby academy at my school in year nine and there'd been a rugby academy for the boys but yeah she didn't come to a couple years later um, it was actually another teacher who just got me on the lesson to go to rugby fair enough um so how much, obviously when she came in year nine, so you've been playing it for a couple of years at yeah. that point. So, but you also said that obviously if it wasn't for her, well, she was a big influence on you to keep playing. So like, how did she, um, how did like, how did she encourage you when you're at that start, at that part of your career? Yeah, I mean, yeah, she, she probably came in at the perfect point for me because I think I was in two minds whether I wanted to stay in rugby um, or stay in athletics. I think I just started Hammer, so I'd started something new. I was a bit more stimulated. Um, and she came in and obviously like, the, the uh, P department told her about me and I think she was straight away like, right, I need to make sure we keep this girl mm. in the sport. So I think she tried to like build everything around me. She was like, you can be the captain of the team. You can like get the girls to come. Like, oh, wow. Um, when, like, when's the best time for you to be training after school? Um, and she was definitely someone who, who instilled a lot of confidence in me. Um, and she was one who encouraged me to go and join a team outside of school and pursue rugby outside of school as well. Um, so to have someone there who was also like 
playing for England, which I never even thought about playing for England. Like mm. I was just playing rugby because it was fun. Mm. Didn't think anything about competing internationally, but to see her doing that at the same time while coaching me, um, wasn't just like her words or her actions. It was like seeing what she was doing, which was also a huge um, driver for me as well. And when she said, oh, I'll make you the captain, I'm guessing that must have been pretty good that she was saying that to you and no one, I'm guessing she was, well, she wouldn't have been saying that to every, every other, maybe yeah. she was, I don't know, but um, that must have been something because um, when I was in school, if I had a teacher praise me, or even in uni now, like if I have a lecturer that praises me, um, like singles me out, that mm. makes me, like I'm on top of the world, like, yeah. that makes me amazing. So I'm guessing it feels pretty similar for you. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think I didn't really know what like level I was at in rugby because in school rugby is completely different mm. um but to have someone who was like so high up being like yeah you want me to be captain like we think you're really good I think that was my first time I was like oh maybe like maybe I am I'm good at this so yeah, yeah it was yeah really nice and obviously you're, so you're studying sports science now at mm -hmm. Loughborough Uni but before then when you started in high school did you know what you wanted to be when you're older because I know a lot of kids around that time they don't generally don't know what they want what they want to be so yeah um no I don't I don't think I knew what I wanted to be yet. I mean when I was younger I thought I was going to be a chef for a while I thought oh. I was going to be a chef I wanted to go on junior master chef nice I thought I was going to be an artist bake -off? um junior bake-off no not bake-off no, bake can't bake to save my life <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all the say all the savory stuff I can do yeah um yeah, I thought I was going to be an artist for a while, but I always knew that I liked sport. Didn't know if I wanted to go into coaching or teaching. Um, so yeah, it was always a bit a bit up in the air. Okay, so you say coaching or teaching, so like a PE teacher or like a like a rugby coach, yes. or something like that. Yeah. And I know, um, I know we're hopping in, in between different timelines now, but is that something perhaps you? might be looking to do after rugby i know that's way way too <laughs> early for you because you're, tw you're tw 21 next week aren't you yes 21 uh, next week 21. well when the, when this comes out you'll be 21 so <laughs> this is a early happy but or late happy birthday thank too. you <laughs> but um so yeah, is that something that you'd be interested in doing after yeah i think definitely i think I don't think I ever really wanted to be like a teacher or anything like that because I don't really like kids that much. But <laughs> oh no, that's a great start. <laughs> but um, now that I've like been in rugby for a while and I've um, I'm at the top point of my game at the moment and I've seen how that can um, affect young girls coming through and the um, impact I can have on those young girls. I think that would be my main driver um, if I was to go into coaching and go into teaching um, is to be that person that these young girls can see. Um, so definitely, yeah, coaching and teaching now. I think if I was going to go into coaching, it would obviously be for rugby club or be in a school. I think that would be my main thing, being able to go into schools and be that like first person or that first point of contact for a young girl coming into rugby. So, yeah. Nice. Um... So obviously you are you are a professional you are a professional now. Um, so when you told your pet your family because um when I was watching a I think another podcast you did, they didn't really know too much about rugby. Yeah. So when you told them, oh, this is what I want to do, like this is what I want to do for my career for the next ten twenty years or whatever, what was their reaction? And um, I mean I know they're really supportive now, but like what was their initial reaction and like. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've even had the, like, official conversation, really, because I've always been quite a go-with-the-flow um, right. person. Like, when I got into rugby, initially, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. Um, even when I was going through, like, the pathway, um, when I got into county for the first time, when I got into under-18s for the first time, I literally was like, oh, like, this is nice. Like, <laughs> go to the trial, play rugby, do what I enjoy, get accepted. Oh, this is really nice. And yeah. then got called into pre-season for England. And I was like, oh, 
yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this is pretty nice. cool. And yeah. then I don't think it was until I got my first cap, really, um, that I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I actually want to do yeah. long term. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, they're, they're very, very supportive. Mum is, um, yeah, so supportive. She's like a rugby noughts now. Anything <laughs> she can learn about the game, ask questions about, she's there. Um, so yeah, they're very, very supportive of me. Because her and, was it your auntie? Your, yes. Yeah, they flew out to Auckland to see you. I know... I'm not going to go on to him because I know you've had you talked about that final lot and I know how painful <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, but I mean that must have been pretty amazing, like at the final to like, see her. Oh stuff. yeah, yeah. No, it was amazing to be able to have to have her out there in New Zealand too. Yeah. Um. So obviously you're a student now, second year. Yes. Second year. Um, studying sports science at Loughborough Uni here. Um, but I saw some of that. You're doing a split year. Yes. That, so what? I actually don't. I'm a student, but I actually don't know what that is. So yeah. is that like? doing one year and then stopping one and going back to it is that uh it? no so i just uh half my modules so i'm my if i was doing my year in full i'd have six more uh six modules i think but for the whole of this year i only have three modules so i have um two modules in semester one and then i finished one module and i've got two mas- two modules in semester two mm. so it's a very very um like i've literally got nothing to do basically i've got like four lectures a week um oh. two two lectures two seminars and then yeah that's me done for the week so oh that's that's so that's, <laughs> that's perfect um how hard are you finding it um obviously doing stuff like this because i know i'm not the only one like you've done actually quite a lot um mm. of media stuff um bbc and that so how hard are you finding it doing this stuff playing and then i know you're not I'd like you say you're not doing too much uni work now, mm-hmm. but when you do go back to it, like how hard, like how hard has it been balancing all that stuff? Yeah, I mean it def- definitely is quite hard to find the correct balance. I mean, there's I think there's always one time when I'm leaning more towards the sport or more towards the commercial staff or more towards the uni, and it's yeah. quite hard to find a um, balance in the middle. Um, but now, especially that I spent my year, it's, it is quite a lot easier but it's always like always on the go everything always yeah. on the go and did you always want to go to university even like with this rugby thing in the background did you always think no I just want to go to uni like this is what I want to do yeah I think I always wanted to go to uni I think one because I always want to have a backup option for whatever I wanted to go into but two for the for the experience as well because I always wanted to be able to go and live live away from home yeah, yeah. early and have that have that experience so yeah, like moving away, getting a bit in independence. Yes. I mean, you're a good cook, so you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> I had to worry about that because even now I'm still pretty tragic. Oh, really? Yeah, don't ask. I've only been in Loughborough for like an hour, but it's not like, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Not really like Birmingham, no, no not, not as big. No, yeah. What's like, do you, what's like the student life in Loughborough? Is it lively? Is the nightlife good? Yeah, If I you're mean... allowed to go out, I don't even know if you're allowed to <laughs> yeah, go out. Yeah, no, but... we are, we are, but... Yeah, Loughborough, like, it's just, it's literally just a tiny town. If there was no students here, it'd be a ghost town. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the students definitely make make the Loughborough, the Loughborough life. And we have, I think we've got three, three clubs in Loughborough. Um, and you've got to go out with good people. Like, yeah. you can have a good, great night in Loughborough, but you've got to have good people in it because otherwise the clubs are filled with Loughborough locals and then oh. that's just a bit weird. <laughs> so, but there is definitely, yeah, there's definitely loads of night life. Like, the uni life is probably the same as it is any, anywhere else, like the student union and stuff. I mean, I haven't done so much student union, but I definitely, with rugby and stuff, we always go out into the town. It's always a good, good night out there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very, very different, like a very small town, but still... Yeah. 
Did you have any other like options to go to uni, like with it, apart from Loughborough? Like, yeah. So I was thinking of going to Exeter, um, and I think I also had Hartbury down, which I didn't really want to go to Gloucester Hartbury, but uh, yeah, my my free choice, like my free top choices were Loughborough, Exeter, and Gloucester Hartbury. Got it. Nice. So all like sport, sporty, yes. sporty ones. Yeah. Obviously, you got plenty of friends. Um, made plenty of friends in school, and whatever. Have you made lots of friends? Just for uni, like, because obviously that's why a lot of people go yeah. to uni to make new friends. So. Yeah. I mean, it's quite hard, um, especially coming to um, Loughborough um, and being so full on and full time because I'm in the full time um, premiership program at the uni as well. Yeah. So most of my time is spent um, on campus training. Um, so I've made like loads of friends in my rugby circle and in the sporting circle um, in general, just by like meeting people in the gym, meeting people in my halls and stuff like that. But in terms of lectures and like meeting people at uni, not so much because I hardly ever make it to lectures. Right. So I'm always doing online stuff, having to catch mm. up because if I'm away at camp, if I'm at training. Um, so like I feel like I'm living the uni, uni life and the uni lifestyle, but without the uni people. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously you're playing for England now, playing for a Premier 15 side, um, doing all this stuff. Like, How have you motivated yourself like as a young athlete? Because... Sometimes I think like a lot of young people are a bit, um, I mean, I, I was quite apathetical um, mm. a couple of years ago, um, but like, how, like, how do you like motivate yourself to do something? I know that sounds, that's quite a vague question. No, but, no, uh, no. If, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think for me, I've had to realise like what, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I think for a long time, I was just a cruiser. Um, mm. But then when it gets to a point where um, what you're doing means a lot to you, you have to have that motivation because you're not always going to be the top pick. You're not always going to be um, the best in the team. You're not always going to play the minutes that you want to play. Um, but I think for me, the main thing that I yeah used to stay motivated is having like clear goals. Um, so for the season, I'll set out my goals for the year. Um, and especially because rugby is such a competitive sport as well, that like there's loads of positions, but there's, especially in my position being a mm. flanker, there's yeah. a lot of high, high competition. And off pitch, I'm not competitive at all, <laughs> but on the pitch, yeah. <laughs> it definitely comes out. So I think, yeah, the main ways that I stay motivated is, um, yeah, having my goals um, and then obviously using those people around me and making sure that I want to be number one. I think I, I've learned that the hard way, really, because I think yeah. <laughs> cruising doesn't really, yeah. doesn't get you there. Yeah, I need to know, you need to put like a like a flag flagstone for everything, everything yeah. you do, everything you want to achieve. Yeah. So you say, uh, obviously, like moving away is good for you um, and all that stuff to gain independence. Do you go home back to London quite often then? or? Uh, no, not, not often at all, actually. I mean, I can never really fit a weekend to go back home but yeah, I mean in, in my first year in uni um and then I'm probably very sad to hear this but <laughs> there wasn't really a point where I was like oh like I really need to go home but <laughs> yeah. I was just really loving living away and being independent and yeah. yeah having that um like time on my own and stuff but I don't really go home much now um if I was to go home it would be, could be because I have something down in London so yeah. I'm like oh I have to go and stay at home yeah um, yeah. We're going to talk about like your rugby, your journey into rugby now and like all that kind of stuff. So started at, is it Streatham Croydon? Is that you yes, said? Streatham Croydon. Um, four years. Then you left uh, to join Richmond. Um, so when you went to Richmond, was that like a performance, like a programme performance yeah. thing? So. Uh, yeah. So I went to Richmond to join the Centre Rex, which is basically like anyone under 18. And it's like a yeah performance programme. Nice. Um, 
and you were there from for the 2019-2020 season, is that right? Yes. That is obviously the infamous COVID season yes. for all of sports. <laughs> and obviously 2020 was just crap year yeah. in general. Um, so how was that for you? Because obviously you go to Richmond, go to Richmond, and you're like, oh, yes, you know, I'm on the right track to whatever. And then that happens and everything's cancelled. Like, what was that like as a young athlete? Yeah. Um, God, it feels so long ago now. Yeah, I'm trying it to does. think about it. it does. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, very weird because that was my first year um playing uh senior rugby and playing in the premiership. And I think I, I was still, yeah, in my very much go with the flow, trying to trying to find out where I fit into the team. Um I was playing weekly and regularly and I was making new friends that I hadn't made before because I never played at a senior team. Mm. Um and obviously it's a whole new dynamic when you go there. But yeah, when COVID hit, I think I was a bit um I don't I, I don't really remember how I how I felt or how I reacted, but I was in sixth form at the time and yeah. I think I was just more happy that I got time off sixth form. Yeah. So I think everything yeah. else well, was like pushed When it got called, when it got everything like the exams were cancelled because yeah. I was in year thirteen. Yeah. Finally I was, I was like, Oh god, I don't know. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Although, although there was obviously some negatives to it yeah. as well, but yeah. So, and then you went to, went to Wasps yes. after that. Um, you're only there for one season, yeah. I believe. Um, obviously Wasps now, I, I was only recently announced that like, they've just, they're going to be playing championship, yeah. not anything lower. Um, so I didn't, I should have looked more into it, but did you leave Wasps or were you only there for one season because of their financial problems or did you leave because you wanted to go to Loughborough or? Yeah, I'd always planned to go to Loughborough, so I always knew that I was going to be at Wasp for one season. But the season that I was at Wasp, we were actually doing really, really well. We had like a great bunch of players. Um, we made top four that year, made it to the semis. Yeah. Um, and like looking back now, I had no idea that Wasp would be in this position that they are mm. in now. And I remember always saying like to Giselle, the head coach, that if I come back to London, yeah. I'm gonna come back to Wasps. Wasps. <laughs> Thinking yeah. that I'd be in the same place that I was when I left it. But, yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember you also saying uh, in an interview, you feel like for women's rugby, women's teams to to thrive or whatever, that they need to be like incorporated in the in like the men's ones, or they need help from the men's ones, yes. or something something like that. Obviously, the men's game, men's game in in England anyway, it's not doing good with like Worcester mm-hmm. Wasps, etc. Um, so. It, are you worried that that's how big of a knock-on effect that's going to have on women's rugby? Because women's rugby at the moment, like like a lot of women's sports at the moment, is going up and up yes. and up. It's just, but now you've got this setback in the men's game. Are you worried about that at all? Um, no, I don't think it's ever worried me really. I think, yeah, with what's going on in the men's game um, with Wasp and Worcester, I mean, we probably saw it with like Saris and stuff when they went over the, the payment cap and... Yeah. Um, but I think within the men's game, I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes, but they always manage to come back and find this money somewhere. Yeah, and they're, they're, yeah get some loan or grant Yeah, or literally back in the game all fine. Yeah. Um, and I think, like we've seen, that Worcester have been able to, um, Worcester Warriors women's team have been able to separate themselves from the men's team and stay um, stay in the Prem and stay playing, um, playing rugby week in, week out. Um, I do still agree that the women's game to be able to keep on a stretch trajectory that is going they need help from their men's partners but yeah i don't think it, it's it's worrying um because i think the men always find yeah <laughs> find a way somehow yeah so before you went you played for the england senior team 
cap you captained England under 18s, but that was that in seven. So that yes. was in seven. So um, for those who don't know, that's when you have seven players. Says it in the name. But um, <laughs> so did you enjoy? Because obviously you haven't. I don't think you've played sevens since, have no. you? What do you prefer? Do you prefer? Se I know it's been a while since you last played it, but do you yeah. prefer sevens? Do you prefer fifteens? Would you go back to sevens? Um, I think definitely right now I prefer fifteens. Um, it, it, it the way fifteens play, it just plays into how I how I want to yeah, play. That tackling. Um, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I really did enjoy the sevens when I went into it. I mean, I was playing fifteens um for the under eighteens, and then my coach just said, "Yeah, we're doing a sevens tournament um in the summer." Come along to Charles, and I'm just thinking, oh god, like seven's just so much running. Yeah, like, you got to have a good gas tank. Got, to, yeah, good gas tank. Um, I remember being quite apprehensive, but like I really enjoyed it. Like seven's just quite a social sport and summer sport. Seven's so always happy in summer, anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think I'll definitely go back to seven's, probably just socially, not yeah. <laughs> not for anything. Yeah. Serious, well, yeah. Um. So when you get called up uh, to play for England, um. Obviously, played quite quite a few games uh, for them since then. Um, but you've also travelled. Mm -hmm. Obviously, been to Italy, France. Obviously, you went to New Zealand, Auckland for the World Cup. Has that like has that like broadened your horizons? Because without that, do you think you'd go to those places? Because I also saw on your Instagram you actually went to Amsterdam. Yes. On on, <laughs> on your own. On, on yeah. your own. Yeah. Just because why not? Yeah, like exactly. let's go there. So uh, do you think? So you like travelling and yeah, how much is rugby? Yeah, I mean, rugby's definitely opened up a lot of lot of horizons for me that I don't think I would have would have done. Um, especially to go to New Zealand, like yeah. I feel like everyone's bucket list, but like mm. you hardly ever get to do everything you want to do on your bucket yeah. list. Um, yeah. and to be able to do that at twenty years old, um, yeah, it's something that I'm very very grateful for. But I think it definitely has, um, yeah, opened lots and lots of doors. Yeah, to be able to travel with your team to another country and like go exploring and having these off days where you get to look around it's not just a sport that you're playing you get to like see see the world at the same time yeah um so we, we went, when you went to Amsterdam you went by yourself have you have you done any other trips like that or is that going to be your first one of yeah, many yeah or? first of many no. oh, okay. <laughs> yeah literally you nice. literally just had a reserve week weekend off yeah I was like might as well do something with it so nice that sounds that's good um so obviously I don't, I don't want to big yourself too much, <laughs> but a lot of people think you're very good, believe it, believe it or not. Um, so you've had, so I've got here a quote from the Scotland captain, Rachel Malcolm, and she said that you're one of the best sevens in the world. And then I had your captain, uh, England captain, Sarah Hunter. She definitely doesn't know how good she is. So, and you were also the players player in 2022 in the premiership. So I'm going to ask yourself, do you know how good you are? <laughs> <laughs> And if you think you are, how do you like, how do you like humble yourself and like not get? How do you hum, like do you do you just think no? Oh, I'm just sick, aren't I? So oh no, 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 Because <laughs> no, when Sarah says not. you don't know how good you are, I'm guessing you're quite a humble person. That's keep you like. Yeah, I mean, it makes me awkward when I hear that stuff. But I mean, I like I said, I just let you play because I enjoy it, and I think a lot of the things that I do come naturally to me as well. Like when I play on the pitch, um. So yeah, I try not to <laughs> to think too much uh, into the off-field stuff. Like when that stuff does happen and like receiving that award, like I think it just puts into perspective where I am for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just literally what it does put, put it into perspective and I carry on playing the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> just try my best really. Yeah. I think a video of Richmond, I think it was. And um, yeah, you said how much you looked up to Marley Packer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now you've played with her now. Yeah. <laughs> when you did that, like, what what did you think? Like, I've literally been looking up to Marley for years now. Yeah. And now I'm actually playing with her. Like, do you get a bit of like imposter syndrome? Like, what, what, like, what the hell am I doing? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I really, I, I think I need to do better in living in the moment, really. Because I don't, <laughs> don't realize until after, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I've been looking up to Marley for ages. And obviously, she's been like the number one seven in the world for a long, long time. And everyone yeah. who plays in that position always knows who she is. And even for like the past year or whatever, being able to train with her in England camp, it's always like a surreal thing. So I'm learning from someone who I'm looking up to, but not only am I learning from them, I'm also competing for the same position as them. Um, but yeah, to be able to actually step on the pitch with her and play at the same time with her in an England shirt, um, yeah, amazing. I mean, you don't really get to play with people like your, who are quote unquote your heroes, people you look up to. Um, so yeah, Stephanie. So when you when you're playing in the final, when you came on, did you did you at one point did you ever think, oh my god, I'm playing in the final, or do you just think this is when you're in that game state, you're just like this is just a normal game, like I just got. Yeah. Do you get that or? Uh yeah, I think when I'm in, when I'm playing, I do get into that game state. I just it's a game like you you need to win, no yeah. matter what what the um occasion is, but. And I never never used to get nervous for games either until the World Cup. But then from the first game of the World Cup, yeah. every single game after that, I was nervous, nervous, nervous. And yeah. Um, yeah, to be able to come off the bench in that game, I think when I went onto the pitch, I was like, oh my God. But as soon as like balls in play, then... That's uh, it. Yeah. Well said, like going up further up the rugby ladder, obviously you came from uh, South London, quite a diverse, diverse area. Obviously in your rugby journey, I remember you saying one uh further up the ladder you've gone, less diverse it is. Mm. So when that when you're going through that journey, like was any a bit of it like a bit of a culture shock? Like or because it's obviously it's very different at, like to home, not as yeah. many diverse people. Like how does that make you feel? Yeah, it definitely was um a big culture shock. Um I mean, I started playing rugby um in my school in South London, which was a majority black school, and my team was majority black, and I think everyone on my team was a person of colour. Um so going from one end of the spectrum from playing with people who look like me, who sound like me, who listen mm. to the same music as me. And then I go to Richmond, which is a middle-class white area anyway, and their rugby reflects that. And that's what rugby reflects in general. Um, it was a huge culture shock. And I think I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't ready, but I didn't expect it. Um, so it was a lot of, it's been a lot of adapting, a lot of learning, a lot of understanding um, over the years. Um, but, yeah, it was yeah definitely a big a big shock. But from where I was then to where I am now, I think I've learned like you just gotta just gotta be yourself. Yeah, just block every block everything out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shauna Brown, obviously she was one of she's one of the um the players of uh, color in the in the last squad. Yes. Obviously, she's gone now. Um, unfortunately, I, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I I remember you saying um, I think it was like a red roses thing you did with her, mm -hmm. um, or yeah, um, and you said like she's like she's like your agent, mm -hmm. like cause she helps <laughs> you out with Instagram, yeah. Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So obviously you got your mum, but is Shauna like an extra maternal figure in oh. like your rugby career? Yeah, hundred percent. Like Shauna's, I always say she's like my auntie, but I say. She's not like that, so she's like a big sister. <laughs> yeah. Um. But like ever since I like joined the prayer and was on like the rugby scene, um, she'd like message me on Instagram and randomly like, oh, like you're gonna be the next one in. Like when you're in, 
like I'm gonna be here like as soon as I got called into the um England squad I got matches from her straight away being like I knew you were gonna do it but like we never had been like friends per se up before that yeah but she was always looking out for me and then as soon as I got into that squad she was like the first person I could always go to she was always someone who kept me very grounded always someone who made me think about the future and like I wanted to do um so yeah she definitely was Definitely like a big, big sister figure for me. Obviously, so she's gone. And then Simon Middleton, England head coach, he's, Lance, he's going to go after the yes. Six Nations. How much, how, obviously those have been quite an influential like partnership in like mm-hmm. England women's rugby. So the fact that the two of them are going in, sh- in quite a short space of time between each other, like how much of a loss do you think that's going to be for you guys? Uh, or maybe it's not, maybe we're just going to get the new guys and we're going to crack on exactly mm-hmm. the same like, how does that make you feel that both of those guys are gonna go? Yeah, I mean, Simon Middleton, he'd been he's been in the game for ages yeah. and he's had a very, very successful run with the girls as well. Um and same with Shauna, she wasn't around for so long, but she had a big um impact on the squad and also women's rugby. Yeah. Um, but I feel like for Shauna, she and for Simon Middleton, they've done what they could have or what they wanted to do. Um, and for them, it's obviously the right time to leave. And I think with the way we're going right now and with 2025 coming up, um, you can only take positives from being able to get a new um, like set of coaches, a new set of, yeah, a new team um, after having such a successful year, despite the loss. Uh, I think we can only keep going now. So I think it will be will be a good thing. And obviously it's a huge loss for the squad and for the girls, especially for the older girls who... Mm have been with Mids for a long time. And um, for me, he's obviously the person who said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring her in. Oh, nice. um, it's also, yeah, it is a loss, but I think there's only positives I can go from here. And he's also said, like, after he's going to, after he leaves, he he would like, uh, he would like a female coach um, involved in some way, because I don't think there's any uh, at the moment in the setup. Yeah. How much, if you had a female coach, head coach, uh, defence coach for whatever, how much do you think that would benefit, um, like, just women's, like, I'm sure that would benefit women's rugby a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I think 100% it would benefit um, women's rugby. And for me personally, I think just being able to have someone who you can relate to um, just on, like, personal level. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of the men who come into the women's game, they have to adapt, trying to understand the women's game, understand women, understand how they think, how they play. But for a woman to be there, and to, uh, to be coaching, they don't have to do that. So they mm. can get straight to, whether that's the um, the playing side of it or the personal side, they they, they, they don't have to adapt. They already know. So mm. I think that's only only a positive in whatever um, role that would be. I think it would, it would yeah, definitely be a good thing. And um, on like the like getting girls into women's rugby and stuff. Um, so you, you said that you were, and and Bryony as well, you've gone in together to schools to do pop-up sessions for young girls, whatever. Um, you believe that's something that needs to be done throughout the whole country or well, around the world to get more girls into rugby is through the schools, yes. like yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think it has to start um, in the schools and especially in the schools where rugby is not a predominant sport in the area um, because I think there's so many, so much talent in these schools that are un, unfound talent because mm. they just haven't got any access to to the sport. Yeah. Um, not even rugby, but just different sports in general. And I think it's so powerful when um, someone comes into the school um, from that sport as well. 
And for me, I feel like it's even more powerful because um, I'm still young and I feel like I can be more accessible to those girls. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I I think it definitely has to start from schools, start from young, and having it available to young girls. Not even not even um having it as like a um a definite in the curriculum, but having it available and allowing people to have the opportunity to try and get into rugby and see how yeah. how it um how it fits into their life. So yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because with certain sports like football, for example. To get into football, you're just into football, aren't you? Just join your local club or whatever. Yeah. Whereas I always feel like things like rugby, even athletics, mm-hmm. I feel like it's very much school yes. based. Like, um, I was just wondering, like, do you think that's why it needs to be that way? Because people might not have even heard of rugby before, like before they go into school. Yeah. So, and do you think there's enough emphasis on it in schools at the moment? Yeah, I think it's definitely growing. I think it's getting way better. I think. Um, the growth of the amount of like rugby teams that schools have and are having and like girls coming into school and being like, I want to have a rugby team in school. Um, and schools like putting it in the curriculum or getting specialist coaches to come in to have that um have that available to in school. I think it's getting better, but I don't think I think there's still a long way to go and yeah. a long way for it to grow. And like you said, um for football, it's way more accessible than a lot of other sports because there's so many teams everywhere. It's it's advertised everywhere. Like you turn the corner and there's a poster about a football team or something like that. Whereas for most girls or anyone, young people playing rugby, their nearest club's probably not about 30 minutes or an hour away from them. So they might not have even heard of what the sport is and yeah. it's not just there for them to see. So I think, yeah, it definitely needs to be in schools because you can't really avoid it then. Like you yeah. go into school, you find out something new. That's where you learn. Whether mm. that's about a new sport or about... Um, a subject in the curriculum that's where you you find you find new things and also with young people once one someone does something i always feel like a lot of them will follow or at yeah. least more than one or whatever so yeah I, I definitely agree with that um are you ever worried about potential like life-changing injuries in rugby because obviously and there's there's a lot you can get head leg mm-hmm. arms whatever it's, does that ever like worry you because obviously there's a big thing at the moment about dementia and all that kind of stuff yeah. so yeah just wondering um, I think it's always in the back of my mind. I think it's in the back of every rugby player's mind, to be honest, because you see it in your team, um, you see it like on the news and stuff like that. But I think that's just what comes with any sport, really. Mm. And you can get injured in any sport. You can get injured not playing sport. Yeah. Um, so I think anytime it does come to my mind, I just have to push it to the back and not really think about it because there's literally a risk in anything you do. Um, yeah. so if it's going to be a risk in something that you love to do, then you might as well. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. I remember Sean is saying, I think on the radio thing with you and a couple of others, she like wants to get rid of like the stigma uh, around rugby um, about like, oh, only white people or ever, um, only fat people or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, only um, on the women's side, only lesbians or whatever, something like that. So how do you, how do you get rid of that? Like, obviously like, cause that's quite, I mean, it's a stigma yeah. and like it needs to get rid of obviously yeah. like society doesn't accept that so yeah how can you get rid of that do you think i think it's about visibility um i think it's about um media outlets and teams getting behind um getting behind that as well um we've seen it with like uh like the lgbt movement um lgbtq movement with like wearing the rainbow laces and stuff like that um and having that visible to the public to see to say that what we do stand with this mm. and it's not just for gay people, but we do have these people in our team. And to have like people come out on social media who, like Shauna, who are 
out on Proud, like she's a very proud black woman and she says, I play rugby and who cares? Mm. Like I'm like any other normal person. I think it's important to have those people um, and have them be very, very visible. I think that's the only way that you can get rid of the stigma. So if it's talked about hush hush around the clubs or like <laughs> you think about it, no one else is gonna know. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, we're, we're in a age, we're in an era where social media is at the like pinnacle, like it's in the middle of everything we do. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the main, the main thing about getting rid of all those stigmas is um yeah having that having that visible for everyone and showing that rugby is a sport for everyone because it literally like it literally is like if you're gonna put any sport down on paper where you can literally have anyone of any size any color any sexuality yeah. like rugby is that yeah. but it's just having it having it visible. A uh, couple of last questions now. Um, bit of a light light note now. I know we went through through pretty serious <laughs> end of it. So um. Well, like, apart from rugby, on this, so you're into you're into TikTok. Yes. So yeah, I don't have I don't have TikTok oh, really? at all. No, I don't. I actually you don't. You need to get on it. No, I don't know. I don't know. I've just read some stuff about it. That's why I'm a bit. I'm not too. Keen. Oh really? Well, it's it's like a like the attention span thing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably isn't very good, but <laughs> fair enough. I love it. Yeah, and you're into fashion. You're yeah. into fashion as yeah. well. So do you like? Have you ever wanted to go to like a fashion weekend or something like London or Paris or something? I mean, I would love to. I would love to. But yeah, I love fashion. I love, I just more love buying clothes. <laughs> I yeah. love buying clothes. I love see, seeing people wear like new clothes and stuff like that. Um, It's just, yeah, like a, I would say it's a pastime. Probably not a very healthy pastime. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the last couple of years because when, when I first went to uni, my I literally didn't have a style because like, oh, okay. where I'm from, like you're really dressed like properly, so uh-huh. I had to invest in in the drip. <laughs> um, uh, one last question. I'm gonna ask this to every guest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this podcast series is called In Ten Years Time, so it is 17th of February, 2023. It will be just imagine it's 2033. <laughs> God, oh, that seems ages away. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so we're talking about that. Um. You're going to be 30 or 31 around around that time. (laughs) Where would you like to be at that point in your career? Um, I think, I don't know if I'll even still be playing that. I will will still be playing. (laughs) Um, I think in 10 years time, I want to be known as the best seven in the world. I want to make that that shirt mine. Um, I want to have won two World Cups by then. Um, and I think I want to be a really influential figure for young girls coming through and feel like I have um, done my bit um, in that in that side of growing of growing growing rugby. Sadia, thank you very much. Thank you been, for you've been me. a great guest. <laughs> been great guest. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>